of? Sure. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm a co-president at UBC Improv. Uh, been in UBCI for the past three years. Uh, my name is Andrew. Uh, this is my fourth year with UBC Improv. Um, I am a social director and a former president. Awesome. And Michael, could you please reintroduce yourself because I had your mic down. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm a co-president at UBC Improv, and this is my third year here. Uh, I'm an American, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, import to UBC Improv. Awesome. And now um, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, what you guys have been up to lately. You were just in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, want to tell us a little bit about what you guys were doing there and how it went? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we took part in the college improv tournament. Um, it's a tournament uh, put on by the Chicago Improv Festival. And so back in November, we went down to Seattle to perform in the regional uh, finals there. We ended up getting second to the Dead Parrot Society from Western Washington University. Yeah, in Bellingham. Yeah. And so uh, we were in the wild card and we got chosen to go to the national finals in Chicago. Um, from the wild card pick. So we went there, I guess, about a, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Um, we performed uh, with 15 other teams, and then we ended up getting somewhere between fifth and eighth place. Uh, they don't exactly tell you the uh, exact number after fourth place, but yeah, it was a blast. Um, there was 126 teams in total, so it was kind of it was exciting. We're pretty proud of ourselves. We're yeah. The first Canadian team ever that uh, has ever been in the tournament, so it was definitely a it was a good experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, for all you know, you were fourth place. <laughs> oh, we were somewhere between fifth and eighth. Fifth and eighth. Well, yeah. then, for all you know, you were fifth place. Yeah, exactly. Go with it. <laughs> Say top five. Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to. Uh, repeat what I should have said at the top of the show. Um, a, UBC Improv is here. We know this. Um, we're also going to be talking about Wide Angle Media Festival today, and we do have some free tickets, so please um, get ready to dial that in, and we will um, let you know a little bit more about the festival. I mean, if free tickets doesn't entice you enough, which, of course, it should. Um, and then we're going to be talking about Flop, a one-man musical, Broken Borders, and got some info on World Theater Day uh, and the upcoming Discorder fundraiser and a bunch of other fun events. Um, and so this is the Arts Report for March uh, 21st. Um, you're listening to CITR 101.9. I'm Megan Thomas. This is my first solo show. Can you guys tell? I don't think you can. That's you're doing I great. You're doing fantastic. That's what I like to hear. That's what I pay them the big bucks for. Um, so... One of the reasons you guys are here, not just to bail me out when I'm not sure what I'm doing, but also you guys have a festival coming up, the UBC Impulse. Yeah. Not UBC Impulse, just the Impulse Festival. Mm-hmm. Started by UBC, though. Yes. Uh, we've been running it for the past four years. Uh, it starts tonight in an hour and 50 minutes, if you want to go to uh, the Vanier Ballroom. Uh, it's a free show tonight, but Ooh. it's uh, uh, Impulse is our... Uh, university Improv Festival. Um, we've brought in uh, six university groups from uh, across Canada and the United States to uh, uh, perform for UBC crowds. Um, uh, tonight features, it's a local show, it's going to feature two UBC uh, Improv groups and uh, SFU Improv. Ooh, uh, my alma mater. 
Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Not the improv group. <laughs> Not funny enough for that, but. Uh, yeah, this is uh, SFU's, uh, I, b- I believe, their second time out uh, making it uh, from the mountain uh, over here. Um, so we're excited to have them uh, for that show today. And there's uh, four groups, right, yeah. uh, from UBC that are all part of UBC Improv. Do you want to uh, name those off? For us? Sure. Uh, tonight, we're going to see two groups. Uh, uh, one, our advanced workshop group has been working towards this show all year long. Uh, they're called Techno Church. Uh, and uh, the show is going to be closed out by one of our directed groups. It was directed by uh, uh, Julian Colsty. Uh, they're called Swiss Army Wife. Uh, tomorrow night's show is going to have uh, another directed group directed by Sean Norman. They're called Sean Taraj. And then the festival closes on Saturday with a performance by uh, the self-directed group, which features me and Andrew here, uh, and we're called The Glass Ceiling. Now, why are you guys called The Glass Ceiling? Uh, Because we have one female uh, performing member in that group. And nine (laughs) male members. Nice. uh, I found that really funny. Are you guys going to have to change the name if you bring uh, anyone else in? Uh, well, yeah, we have different names. <laughs> we have different names every year. So our actually the last glass ceiling show is, is going to be this week. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, next year, presumably we'll have more female <laughs> members on the because uh, we have a lot more in the other groups. So I imagine that they'll it was coincidence. It, yes, it was. It was uh, <laughs> most of the female members from the last couple of years have left. Oh. So. So. Well, I'm sure it wasn't you guys. Um, maybe <laughs> you. You can't tell who I'm pointing at, so it's fine. Um, so that's going to be at the Vanier Place Ballroom. Doors 645, show 7, I believe, tonight, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, we're actually going to open them up at 630 tonight. Oh, yeah. playing it fast and loose. Yeah, just to get people in. Uh. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, um, what I would like to do, uh, we're a little ahead of schedule, but what I was hoping was uh, I'm going to figure out how to play some ads. So that'll be really exciting. You guys are going to learn a little something about some CITR stuff that's coming up. And then uh, after that, I thought uh, you guys would maybe do a little something funny for us. We can certainly try. I'm very very excited about this. And they're actually going to be sticking around for the whole show. So if things get heavy... We'll have you guys here to, to help us out. Okay, so I'm very excited about trying to play some ads. Um, please, uh, can you tell us a little bit, while I find them, um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you said your last show was last week? Uh, we did our last official show, which is just UBC mm-hmm. groups, um, on the 2nd, uh, we're usually in Scarf 100, which is where the rest of the shows of our festival are going to be, uh, the big lecture hall in, in Scarf. Uh, those are the next three nights, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, but uh, we have uh, another show coming up as a part of Improv Mondays at Rowan's Roof, which is a free show. That's on uh, Monday the 26th. It starts at 8 o'clock. And it's going to be us and the Dead Parrot Society from Bellingham. They're sticking around after the festival to play with us one more time. So Awesome. So uh, we're going to play a couple of ads, take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to come back with some funny. Okay, stick around. Because you never play them, babe. At CITR, our hosts choose the music they play. That means our charts actually reflect the tastes of music lovers. 
as opposed to focus groups. So if you want to know what's really tearing up the charts, get your hands on a copy of Beatroot or Discorder magazine, or go online to CITR.ca. CITR's charts are based on actual spins motivated by actual preference. No payola, no marketing, just good tunes. Refreshing, no? You cannot spell Discorder without disco. And to disco is to attend or dance at such a club or party. Attend the Discorder fundraiser March 29th at the Biltmore Cabaret. There will be bands, swag, a silent auction, and more. Disco with Discorder, March 29th at the Biltmore and keep that magazine from CITR Radio and Print. We are back on CITR 101.9. We have something pretty fun happening right now, you guys. We are going to be talking about um, some improv. uh, And by talking about, I mean do. (laughs) Um, So what are you guys going to be doing for us right now? Well, we're just going to do a little uh, miniature version of a form called The Bat, which is basically an improvised radio show, uh, radio play. and all we need, usually we get a suggestion from the audience, and since we don't have an audience Oh, what kind present, of suggestion do you need? I think we're just going to get an object. Okay. Um, okay, there's actually a third person in the studio, and she does not want to give. <laughs> yeah, I called you out. Um, okay, how about, how about a microphone? I'm a microphone. Let's keep it okay. relevant. Let's keep it timely. Keep it radio. Let's Sounds perfect. All right. Okay, go ahead. The year was 1955. It was New York City. It was bustling busy. Everyone was running around all fretful and delighted. And in one tiny dark alley was a tiny little radio station. A tiny pirate radio station run by one man named Janky Thompson. Janky Thompson had lived in New York City his entire life. No one was quite sure how old he was because he had an odd face, one of those faces that could be 30, could be 60, not sure. But what we did know for sure was that he had been in this pirate radio station for as long as anyone could remember. Janky's radio station played only the greatest hits amongst the underground homeless community. Tin Can Jangle. Uh, uh, Shiv McGee. The Cardboard Foxtrot. Is that a beard or is that a blanket? Not sure. (laughs) Just the greatest hits. He had his own Casey Kasem sort of top 40 countdown that every homeless person with two tin cans and a string would listen to every Wednesday evening. From 5 to 6 p.m. However, it was this Wednesday that Janky Adams came into his pirate radio station and found that his microphone had been stolen. (laughs) Janky Adams wasn't so great at speaking, something odd for someone who was a radio personality. He had a hard time... uh, uh, explaining his disappointment. He let the music do talking for him. 
but his disappointment couldn't be spoken for by any of the cardboard box trots or is that a beard or is that a blanket songs that he had. He had to write his own song about a microphone. And so he thought in his head, took a pen and pad of paper and wrote the saddest, sweetest love song anyone had ever heard. And playing it on a banjo made out of a cigar box, a paper towel tube, and three rubber bands, he sang uh, the title of that song, which will come to me in just a moment. Mm, Harpsichord of Fury. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the loveliest song anyone had ever heard. The The end. end. Oh, Maybe you should clap for yourselves as well. Just right into the mic. (laughs) Just right right in there so that we all know that. Thank you so much. Um, I liked I like the radio like version. I think I think we may actually have space for that show on CITR. So if anyone wants to volunteer and and start the show that they just described. Well, we may less offensive to (laughs) people. But other than that, we may or may not have a demo. That may or may not be more offensive to homeless people than that one was. <laughs> oh, good. That's what I want to hear. Less, less offensive. I'm having a lot of fun with the mic levels right now. Um, so if someone right now is calling about that, I yes. I'm well, well aware the mic levels keep going up and down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, that was really great. There's UBC Improv. They have uh, the Impulse Festival, um, which was, I guess, the first college uh, improv tournament in Canada. Uh, as far as we know. As far as we know. And then, and then and now Alberta has taken yep. up the call. Yeah, and we'll, we'll actually be doing that this year. Uh, the first week of April, we'll be in Edmonton. Okay, so they have a free show tonight. Doors open at 6.30. It's free, and uh, it'll, it'll be running until Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, and then those shows are uh, $5 or $10 for a fest pass. Fantastic. Well, um, you guys are going to stick around, but next we are going to move to the Wide Angle Media Fest. Now, um, this weekend, so the 22nd until the 25th, um, Kickstart uh, is presenting the Wide Angle Media Festival. Uh, It's actually the inaugural festival, so this means first time ever. And it's uh, it's a curated disability media festival. Um, there's commissioned works, uh, there's submitted works, there's workshops, um, drama, animation, um, and lots of shorts as well. And the whole point of this festival is to foster filmmaking by presenting and developing um, quality work um, by people with disabilities of various kinds. And... What is interesting about this festival is that it is purely about the artists. Not all of the content is looking at people with um, disabilities. Um, It is actually just by. So a lot of the content is um, completely open. And I actually um, talked to Siobhan McCarthy uh, about um, quite a bit of things. But uh, we started out talking about... Um, kickstart and what they do is disability arts and culture she's the co-artistic director and we talked a little bit about what this festival uh you know what it is and what it means well kickstart is uh an amazing organization um that has been really 
cutting edge and on the forefront of the disability arts initiative, I guess you could call it. And our mission is to produce and present works by artists with disabilities and to promote artistic excellence among artists with disabilities working in a very variety of disciplines, which we do international festivals and have really tried to work uh, on a on a large international scope uh, to change perceptions and um, perspectives of the general public by informing them of um, various artists with disabilities' experience and work. And the WAM Festival is the Wide Angle Media Festival, which is the first inaugural festival. And what makes our WAM Festival different than many other festivals is that uh, our only kind of, I want to call it restriction, but to be able to be a, a part of our festival the filmmakers needed to have a disability and they had to self-define. I wasn't asking for a doctor's note or anything like that. <laughs> um, but um, a, a lot of other festivals, both nationally and internationally, tend to promote films about disability, but mm-hmm. not necessarily by filmmakers with a disability. And we didn't limit any content um, insofar as the theme being about disability, um, but it could be anything under the sun, just you know, the only requirement is that the actual filmmaker needed to have a disability. So I think that's what's really exciting. I mean, some filmmakers have chosen to submit work that speaks to disability because it speaks to their personal experience. And a lot of artists that I know, they write what they know or what they experience or how they see the world. So um, some of the themes are about disability and some not at all, which is kind of exciting and refreshing. Well, um, that's something that really interests me about this festival uh, and something that kind of interests me in general is the idea of privilege and visibility when it comes to pretty much any anything people might qualify as different. I think this is a really interesting way, this festival of making visible able-bodied privilege. Definitely. I, I started in this industry many years ago strictly more as talent. Um, I mean, I was always pigeonholed into writing and directing based on on my personal disability, but um, always wanted to be more of an actor and be talent. And uh, for many years, when I was being put back together after a car accident, I spent uh, in and out of wheelchairs, crutches, canes. And there were many times in my early career where I was passed up for an able-bodied person to be in a wheelchair because I was considered an insurance liability. And I'm really happy to try and um, change those perceptions Mm -hmm, and and, and kind of approaches to the work and that, you know, that doesn't necessarily need to happen anymore in the year of 2012. Um, In my experience, people with disabilities tend to be the most creative people that I know. Well, they're used to having to come up with new ways to live in the world. Wonderful solutions to get around obstacles in our lives. Perfect Mm -hmm. example, we were having some challenges around the truck. Um, I had uh, William F. White's been an amazing sponsor with all this incredible gear, and yet there were times when we had some challenges in regards to how are we going to transport this gear to make these amazing films. And it was so funny. There, you know, our director in a wheelchair was like, "I understand that completely. I have already arranged another vehicle to pick up the equipment." You know, yeah. In his daily life, he has understood how to circumnavigate certain problems and be preemptive so that it doesn't become a problem or always have a backup plan trying to accomplish um, something in a, in a limited time frame with a limited budget. This has you know, been a wonderful challenge, and yet I find that the filmmakers we've been working with have been so very, very creative in regards to making their budget stretch as far as they can. And um, one of the big things that has always come up is this kind of correlation between uh, disability and poverty and that was one of the reasons why I approached Mr. Um, Paul Bronfman at William F. White was I didn't want lack of access to either funds or equipment to be the excuse of why these films weren't considered either a broadcast quality or b of professional quality 
And so having these wonderful um, sponsors have really enabled us to deliver films that we can be proud of and be able to show at other festivals around the world in the future. Well, I think that probably the road to self-sufficiency is something that all artists deal with um Mm -hmm. and if if you've had to already go through that um it must give you quite the toolbox (laughs) i guess you could say say. tenacity and skill set so are there any films that um you feel personally connected to in terms of uh your own journey in life i thought the conference was absolutely hilarious and it's about these people trying to put on a conference around disability and it's literally like a comedy of errors it's absolutely hilarious film i just couldn't believe it wheels of fortune was also in that programming slot which i found to be so cheeky and so brilliant it was about two actors in the audition room trying to uh compete for a part and um they're both as i said they're both in wheelchairs and one is quite keen and the other one's been winning all the they've been quite competitive for a while and he's been winning out of the uh he's been he's come, he's been winning the parts over the other actor in many other films ahead of time and uh they go to the washroom and he, the actor who hasn't been getting the parts but is legitimately disabled sees the other actor standing up at the urinal oh <laughs> realizing that he's been faking being disabled because it's provided him an edge as an actor and it's just so cheeky and so brilliantly executed um i mean it's a really fantastic film i look forward to sharing that with our community uh on on the uh, on the thursday evening um another film that i am i found really touching is in our saturday animation festival our mini animation fest and that happens at 1.30, and it's called Cafe Chat, and it's a film from Australia, and it's an animation piece that um, has all these amazing characters in, um, in a cafe, <laughs> and it's just, it's a really touching story, and I think the backstory of it about how it was people who worked in an animation studio working in collaboration with the developmentally disabled community uh, to create this film is a really spectacular collaboration, which we hope to in the future be able to kind of replicate and build upon here in in BC. Is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know about the you know process of bringing this together and, and what you hope that audiences get, get out of it? Um, yeah, I think there's two aspects of the festival that I'm really excited to share. We have the ability to kind of inform both general public and, and our community about um, issues around disability and, and the art of filmmakers with disability. Uh, and then we also have worked very hard to create a series of master classes with industry stakeholders and funders to um, further the careers of filmmakers with disabilities by um, introducing them to, as we call it, the power in the room, the Mm -hmm. purse holders, so to speak, so that they're able to pitch other projects that they've been working on and maybe be able to try and start gaining some finance and support around creating these next um, projects that they're working on. So for me, that's been really, really exciting. And then we've got Simply Computing coming in and talking about various softwares that are available to people with disabilities to help them make their art and what funding might be available for them to be able to access so that they can have the supports in place to be able to accomplish their their goals and dreams all right so that was siobhan mccarthy um i have actually found the front of my microphone and i'm very excited about that uh 
that progress in Radioland. Um, so that was Siv- Siobhan McCarthy and a uh, lovely lady. Now, uh, we talked uh, quite a bit um, about uh, the festival in general, and she had a lot to say about the individual shows, um, but unfortunately we didn't have uh, as much time as I would have liked. So um, she definitely talked about a few there that she recommends. Um, you know, check out uh, the whole lineup um, either at kickstart arts ca um or the um wide angle media fest website which is wideanglemedia.ca and it will be uh running from march 21st until march uh 25th uh screenings are 11 dollars and uh seven dollars passes for the whole weekend are 50 bucks or 30 bucks and this is of course uh, for a student price and then the gala is 20 dollars, and that'll be on thursday so that's tomorrow um and they actually have really great workshops as well um both for people in uh if you know identify if you identify as uh disabled or differently abled and then um also just for filmmakers because you know these uh all sorts of people are part of your audience and if you want to make sure that your film is accessible um, there are resources out there for you. Um, so films will be shown at the Roundhouse uh, Community Arts and Recreation Center um, on Davy, And then we also have uh, events at the National Film Board of Canada on Abbott Street. So check out uh, www.wideanglemedia.ca. And, um, you know, the gala is actually, sorry, um, on Friday. So that looks really fun. And it's the commissioned films for that um, The they asked um, some very well-known directors to to put some things together for them. And so it sounds like those projects are a long time in the making. And it's the first year. Get in on the ground floor, people. Know where it's coming from. Um, so that looks uh, very interesting, and I'll be, I'll be heading there. Now, we actually have a couple of tickets. Um, so the phone lines are open. Uh, you can give us a call at a number, which is 604 822 2487 uh that's 604-822-2487 and give us a call and i can give you um a couple of tickets to go see one of these nights of amazing filmmaking so those phone lines will be open um throughout the show and if you uh if it's ringing just let it ring and i'll get you when i'm off air (laughs) um so up next we have flop and Contrary to the actual title, uh, Flop was a hugely successful run at the Edmonton Fringe Fest last year. Um, and Anton uh, Lipovetsky uh, is returning to Studio uh, 1398 on Granville Island uh, to do a full-length version of his one-man musical, Flop. Uh, that's right, one-man musical. So that's a, that's a lot on one pair of shoulders. And it was originally a one-act, actually. And so it's this is a full-length version. So if you happen to have already seen it, um, it's worth going to see again. Um, the show, uh, you know, it's about theater director Jimmy Lab. Now, the success of his first show is Life and Death. And when he's forced to oversee a production so horrible it cannot be saved, Jimmy watches his dream hopelessly flop! Exclamation mark. So uh, my esteemed co-host, Nick Sartor, uh, spoke with Anton recently, and uh, he began by asking him to tell us, you know, a little bit more about the show. It's a one-man show, and I play a whole bunch of different characters, and it's about this guy, this theater director, who watches his first big show flop, and he escapes... And he ends up getting stuck uh, teaching high school kids and directing them in a production of Romeo and Juliet. And uh, it's a big journey for him. And 
and there's lots of fun hijinks that happen, and they all learn. Um, <laughs> that's the long and short of it. And it's a show that started that I was uh, I started as a um, as a project at theater school, and a friend of mine had a spot in the Edmonton Fringe, and we ended up expanding it from 20 minutes to 45 minutes, and and getting really great response in, in Edmonton. Um, it was a great year for them too. They broke records with their ticket sales and stuff, and we were really honored and grateful um, with the with the great reception there. And and there's uh, been a lot of like there's been a lot of demand here, so we thought uh, we'd put it on again. And this time, um, uh, I've got the help of a really great and up and coming theater company called uh, Delinquent Theater. I'll I'll come to the part about expanding the show from a one act to a full length, but. First, I want uh, to know a little bit more about how you came to work with uh, Delinquent. Well, Christine is a friend of mine who runs Delinquent. I came to them because I got, I got a lot of faith in them. And uh, I think they, they put on solid things and that, that they're one to watch for sure. Cool. So, yes. Okay, so then let's talk about the, the process that you had to go through about to expand the show from when you did it initially um, to when you, you brought it into uh, Edmonton and now what I'm assuming is going to be the continuous evolution of the show now. So what was that process like of taking your initial concept and the initial vision and expanding it to something larger? Oh, man, it was torture. It was, it was <laughs> quite, <laughs> it's quite difficult. It's quite because, you know, you make something and it works and then it's like, okay, now double that. Right. And, you know, and I, I, I really tried to have the mandate of no, nothing excess, you know, nothing superfluous. I wanted, I wanted everything to be, you know, something unique and, and not get redundant in the show. Uh, so, so it was a lot of hard work, but, but I think it's more fun longer and, mm-hmm. and, and there's a, there's a bigger arc and stuff and people appreciate that. Right. Now, is that, would you say in, in your own opinion and, Perhaps you're biased because you went through this particular process yourself, but because your your show not only is it a one man show, but it's also a musical. So you had to write dialogue, you had to write plot lines, you had to write in characters, but you also had to write all the music. So how how many layers do you think that added of having to create all of the music that went along with that expansion? That's a good question. I mean, yeah, it's it's obviously an added layer of complexity. On the other hand. It's also, I think, telling a story through music. There are some inherent, you know, given circumstances that you're like, okay, this song is going to go like this and this and this and this. It's not like free form. It's not like prose. And, and at least for me, I don't know. My 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 brain is a nice propensity for that. Mm-hmm. And I also have like, I uh, to to be fair, I have a really great pianist, um, Michelle Cutler, who's a who's a graduate of UBC, and and on this production we actually. She's actually been doing a little bit of, well, she's been giving really great suggestions, and, and that's been good. Awesome. For arranging the music, et cetera. That's great. But uh, no, I, like, I, like the, I like the musical element the best. I mean, I think it's such a, such a great way to tell a story. Someone's singing about what they're doing or feeling, and people, people really get that when it's on, you know? Mm-hmm, totally. So... Uh, obviously the show's running now, um, and, or it's going to be running very soon. And, and, uh, and what do you imagine, um, is going to happen after 
this. Do you have any more plans to either present the show again or continue working on it? I honestly don't know at this point. Uh, see, uh, I'd like to see what happens with this. I mean, never really know if people are going to come out or like it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's always been one show at a time. And thank you, Michael, for pointing out that I had the wrong mic on. Really appreciate that. Um, thank you very much, Nick, uh, for that. That was um, Flop, uh, Anton Lipovetsky. Um, and it's actually being produced by Delinquent Theatre, as you heard in the clip. Um, and it'll be running from March 21st to April 1st, uh, Studio 1398 on Granville Island. And you can actually learn more about this at delinquenttheater.com. And they have all the information you need. Uh, and, you know, Anton, he's done quite a bit in Vancouver. He actually recently received the 2011 Bear, uh, Vancouver Mayor Arts Award for Emerging Theatre Artist and is working on a commission from Vancouver Solo Collective. So one to watch. And I think the idea of a one-man musical full on. Now, uh, my guests were... Do you guys have any comments on on the plausibility of a one man musical? I can't even imagine how difficult that would be. Uh, I did musicals in high school um, for quite a few years, but having to like carry an entire story by yourself and doing it while singing, I think it'd be really cool to see. Though uh, I think that'd be a really a cool show. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I've uh, I've tried doing one man uh, improv before, and it really. Uh, stretches the three characters that I'm capable of playing. <laughs> so that's, uh, and all their varying degrees of deep voices. So. <laughs> that's your, like, byline, Michael. <laughs> more, I do. More or less, yeah. Deep voices. Here's my number. Um, yeah, so that will be at... Um, Pardon me for the um. That will be at Studio 1398 on Granville Island from March 21st into April 1st. And uh, just a little something funny for you guys. Uh, while I was off air there chatting, uh, I got a phone call from my father. And uh, he gave me some helpful advice. And he also uh, reminded me, or his call reminded me to thank him for the lovely headphones that I'm probably misusing right at this very moment. So, Thanks, Dad. That's the only time that's ever going to happen. That's pretty embarrassing. Um, so, uh, you know, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit more about some things that are happening coming up this month. There's some fun events. And uh, we've got a few more minutes, so I thought, before our next break. So I'll let you know that tonight at the Vancouver Public Library, uh, there is going to be an Insight event. Now, Insight is part of the Writers' Festival, and it's nice because the Writers' Festival that happens in the fall it goes all year a little bit you got the inside events you have events all over the city that are sponsored by the writers fest so tonight uh from 7 30 to 9 p.m at the alice mckay room in the central library on georgia they are going to have a talk with tamara berger anakana Schofield, and benjamin wood and the reason i mention this i'm not particularly familiar with any of these authors but I did just read Ben Wood's Bellwether Revivals. And the Bellwether Revivals, he is, is, it's a love story. It's a story about organ music. It's a story about psychology. And it's a little bit about a story about magic. I don't know how Ben would feel about that description. Um, But what it follows is the story of two 
people in college, Oscar meets Iris and her crazy rich person group of friends. And her brother is, he's off. He's a bit of a megalomaniac and he believes that he can heal people with his music. And it has quite the dramatic prelude, uh, prelude. Right before the whole story starts, you realize that everyone or three people have died. One of which is the brother. So you have that in the back of your head the whole time. So I won't ruin anything for you. It's, a, it's an excellent story. It's something I've never really read before. He is a UBC grad, though. He uh, is from and is now based in London. What I would say about the Bellwether revivals is that he says in his uh, press release that it's all about music, that he has a relationship with music, and he very much wanted to explore how music represents emotion and uh, changes emotion and can affect people but it really does come across as kind of a psychological love story really focuses on oscar and his feelings so maybe ask him when you go to this event which i'm sure you're going to um right before or after you go see the improv event is uh that you why why did you focus so much on psychology if music was what you were really interested in so that's something uh that will be interesting to see if you're not into comedy um all four of you who aren't into comedy everyone's into comedy so another event that's happening this week is, on friday is teacher's pet so the vancouver burlesque festival is coming this may and it's a international event we have people coming from all over the world and i have some friends that are involved and i just wanted to say that there will be a fundraiser this friday at the electric owl it's a bunch of new performers people who have performed once or twice and i've seen them all and they are fantastic um and it will be from i believe nine o'clock so shows at nine Doors are at eight, twelve dollars in advance on brown paper tickets, and fifteen bucks at the door. So go see some boobs, you guys. Now I wanted to also uh, tell you a little bit about an event that's coming up. We are going to be seeing the very interesting and uh, funny improv event on Sunday. I'm going to be seeing this, the Life Game Vancouver. We all have an extraordinary life to tell. And it's put on by Truth Be Told Theatre Company. Uh, and it's a bit of an improv. It's celebrating World Theatre Day, which we will talk about after the break. And it has a side of improv and ourselves that you may not expect. The Life Game, on, Life Game Ensemble includes accomplished improv artists such as Brian Anderson, Jeff Gladstone, Ryan Gladstone, Tom Jones, David Milchard, Real Han, Laurie Triolo, Christine, Christina Sicoli and Talula Winkleman. Those are fun names to say for the first time ever on live radio. Um, so in honor of World Theatre Day, they're going to be encouraging audience members to come out early at 7 p.m. for an open rehearsal and a, chat, a chance to chat with everyone. So I'll be there. Come say hi. And then after the show, everyone is invited to World Theatre Day reception uh, with the guest of honor, the Life Game Ensemble, and the members of the Granville Island Cultural Society. So the Life Game shows every Sunday, the last Sunday of every month. So that will be March 25th, April 29th, May 27th, and June 24th. Uh, you can check it out at Life Game, thelifegamevancouver.com. That's thelifegamevancouver.com. And I just mention it because I will be going on Sunday, so uh, listen for a review next week. And if I laugh and it's really funny, then two thumbs up. But if it isn't, the pressure's on, you guys. I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you whether I had fun or not. Don't worry. <laughs> 
So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about World Theatre Day, which we just mentioned. It's on March 27th. Uh, I am going to give another shout out to another couple of comedy shows because we have the UBC improv people here and we are going to talk about um, Broken Borders which is a a show that's going on at the Belkin and the Satellite Gallery curated by uh, an MFA at UBC and it's a really interesting curatorial experience and I'll give you a little more information about that and one of our correspondents Anna actually interviewed Adriana about the show. So bear with us, listen in, it's uh, CITR 101.9, you can listen on the FM dial or streaming, if you're into the new media kind of thing, on www.citr.ca and uh, feel free to give us a call at 604-822-2487 if you want to win a couple of tickets to Wide Angle Media and that is starting uh, tomorrow and will go through Sunday and it's a... It looks like a really interesting inaugural film festival. All right. See you in a few minutes. The alphabet has only 26 letters. With these 26 magic symbols, however, millions of words are written every day. This month in Discorder. This month's cover features the experimental punk band Shearing Pinks, three dudes who have been an underground Vancouver staple since 2005 and have over 50 releases, big and small, under their belts. Also featured this month are The Bleeding Hearts, who released their debut EP this month, a review on Wim Wenders' latest film, the 3D dance epic Pina, an update on the Rio's ongoing battle to show movies and serve liquor, not to mention a bunch of excellent show and album reviews and all of your regular features. Pick up your beautiful and free copy of Discorder at any Friends of CITR business, or if you've gone paperless, don't forget to check out Discorder at discorder.ca. Sunday, April 15th at 4 p.m. Join the Kids Classics and Worlds Beyond concert series at the St. James Hall for the next installment of their 14th season. This concert series is accessible in almost every way, from the cost of admission, which is by donation, to the configuration of the seats. Performers abandon the stage and set up on the floor with the audience seated around them. For more information, call 604-732-3990 or visit sjcommunitysquare.org backslash special events. And we're back on the Arts Report. Uh, you know, a little something there for Discorder uh, and Kits Classics. I really want you all to go to the Discorder fundraiser, and not just because I work here. I want you to go to the Discorder fundraiser because it's going to be mad fun. Uh, we are raising money for Discorder, which is not only your source of music news and all that fun stuff, but, you know, it's a really great opportunity, much like the art support, much like CITR in general, for people to go out to shows, review them, let their community know what they thought, and learn how to write, learn how to review, learn how to take photography, produce, whatever you can name, we can teach you how to do something. And we don't do that without... It's all free. We put it all out free for you. So... March 29th is a Discorder fundraiser at the Biltmore Cabaret. That's a Thursday. 
and it's 8 p.m. until 2 a.m. We're going all night, and it's a pretty amazing lineup. Uh, we have DJ sets by Duggernaut. We have Sun Wizard, Man Your House, The Adulthood, and Village. Uh, can you can you imagine? We have uh, a silent auction with lots of amazing sponsors. I won't go through them all because you have to come. You have to come to get that. Doors are at 8, show at 9, and tickets, tickets are $10 at the door. Bring your friends. Bring all 17 of your friends or all 500 of Facebook friends. We don't care. We have room. And come down to the Discorder and listen to a bunch of amazing local bands. Another fun thing that's happening over the next month, uh, also on Sunday, lots of things happening on Sunday, and I can't go to this, so we're going to be sending some volunteers to review, which is why I'm mentioning it. Um, and we have humorists literally, literally funny, literally funny. I think either of those would have worked. Literarily, you guys are laughing at me because yeah, I couldn't say. I liked literarily. Or uh, I believe, I, I know. Uh, I'd like you both to say literarily right now. Literarily. 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 There you go. Uh, I like it. I know, I know Sarah who, who's putting this on, and I believe literarily was originally the subtitle of that. Uh, I, think, I think that that would have been more of a pun. This is more humorists, literally funny. It kind of seems like they're like, no, they're funny. Literally <laughs> funny. Not just funny looking, not just funny inside. Outside funny. You're going to laugh out loud. Um, they define a humorist, a performer or writer of humorist material. And so uh, this show is going to be readings from funny local authors. Uh, they've been chosen for their humor and their ability to aid, engage a crowd. And I actually have heard of some of these people, a lot of UBC people involved. It's going to be Sunday, March 25th at the Havana Theater as part of the East Van Comedy uh, Series. And it's got some really interesting people. I know Jen Farrell. I've read The Devil You Know and Sugarbush and other stories from Anvil Press. And those are really funny books. Uh, we also, it's going to be hosted by Sarah Bino. And she's been called one of Vancouver's most hilarious people by the West Ender. So go and see if the West Ender knows what it's talking about. There's also going to be uh, Dina Del Bocia, who has an MFA from UBC. And uh, we have Bill A. Nickerson, who is a local writer and performer. He's also the co-editor of Seminal, the anthology of Canada's gay male poets. And we have Steve Burgess, who's a freelance writer and author of Who Killed Mom? I want to know. I have to read that now. So that's Sunday, March 25th, 8 to 10 at the Havana Theater, $9 at the door. Or if you ate there or, you know, uh, with the receipt from Havana, you get it for 7 bucks. So uh, it's prevented by East Van Comedy and Sarah Bino Entertainment. That is a girl who's doing it for herself. Oh, Sarah's great. Which I, I like. I can vouch for the West Ender. Sarah's one of the funniest people I've, I know in Vancouver. Okay, so. well, you heard it here second. Uh, Michael <laughs> from UBC Improv says that she is one of the funniest people in Vancouver. And so I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit, now that you have all your plans for the next week, uh, about World Theatre Day. Um, I wanted to talk to you about it because it's a pretty big deal. I didn't know about it until recently, and what I wanted to do was play you a little something uh, just from last year to give you an idea of what it's all about. Now, it was started in 1961 by uh, UNESCO, actually uh, the International Theatre Institute, which is part of UNESCO, and it's celebrated annually on the 27th of March, 
by the international theater community and it's so we're gonna have it, it'll be on tuesday of next week and so if anyone did anything cool for international uh theater world theater day please let us know and we can talk about it on air uh, it first started in Helsinki and then in Vienna and then it went on uh, all around the world. And every year on the Mar- on March 27th, World Theatre Day has been celebrated uh, by putting together an international message, which is then translated into more than 20 languages, read for 10,000s of spectators. And, uh, you know, it's an audiovisual kind of thing. So you can actually look it up online. I got all that inf- information online. Just Google it, <laughs> World Theatre Day. And uh, if you want to celebrate early, again, Life Game on the 25th, I'll be there. So here's a little something. Um, I'm just going to put on a minute or two of it uh, from the Canadian World Theatre Day message 2011. And this is the message from Canada, and it is read out by a bunch of different citizens, kids, old people, middle-aged people, young people, all the importance. And then we are going to be back, and I was going to play a little something for Broken Borders, which is the curated by Adriana uh, uh, from UBC. Um, She has this amazing curatorial experience for you, but we're not going to have time, so we're going to do it next week. Uh, Sorry about that, but I'll I'll tell you where you can go and see it for yourself, and then you can listen next week and see if our reviews are accurate. So I'm just going to play this thing from World Theatre Day for a minute or two, and then we're going to be back with the UBC improv people, and they're going to play us out. All right? Thanks, guys. World Theatre Day, March 27th, was created in 1961 by the International Theatre Institute. Each year, theatre events are organized all over the world to mark the day. One of the most important of these is the circulation of the World Theatre Day message through which a figure of world stature shares his or her reflections on the theme of theatre and a culture of peace. This year's Canadian message was written by Michelle Ouellette, and translated by Linda Gaborio, both acclaimed Canadian playwrights. The message is read here by students, parents, friends, and colleagues of Ovation Performing Arts Academy based in Richmond Hill, Ontario. noise fills the air. Music rises, light fills a space in which beings come to life. Then silence descends on our side of the hall. We turn our eyes and our ears to these flesh and blood beings who reach out to us, invite us in. Tension rises. Something is about to happen. Actors give of themselves, offering us a precious gift, an escape from our rushed lives. We stop rushing around madly, and we remain in this other world that cannot exist without us. The illusion of theater becomes reality. Time is transformed. Space surrounds us. We are sitting simultaneously in our seats and on the stage. We are reincarnated. The words the characters speak are our words, too. They vibrate inside us and reveal in the depths of our being dazzling shards of memory and emotion. A word conjures the face of someone we know, don't know, or barely know. The ghost of a feeling is embodied. That feeling crystallizes. We experience... We relive something that never had time to live in the other rushed world. It takes shape. It takes on meaning, an inside-out meaning. It glows. 
Okay, well, we're back. Well, that goes on for about five minutes. So I'm going to... That's a little taste of the kind of thing that goes out there. It's poetic. Um, the, earlier in the clip, they do talk a little bit about, uh, you know, new media and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it's something interesting to set up. That's Canadian World Theatre Day message 2011. And, uh, you know, that's going to be next Tuesday. So we got UBC Improv here. And what we're going to do is they're going to do a little something for us to play us out. And then we are going to tell you what you need to know about Broken Borders um, first. So Broken Borders is a Broken Borders is an exhibition at the Satellite Gallery and Access Gallery, and it co-presents. Uh, they co-present it. Mexican curator Adriana Estradas Cantillas group exhibition Broken Borders, and. We talked a lot about it, and we'll have the interview for you next week, but it focuses on biopolitics of violence in the drug war. And for such a kind of a contemporary heady piece, it's actually very visceral. And uh, we'll put everything, the whole full interview up online, and you can hear all about the amazing things that these artists did. did. Um, so I'll just tell you that it'll be running until April 28th, so you have plenty of time. And it'll be running... Uh, April 28th at the Access Gallery and then until May 5th at the Satellite Gallery. So the Satellite Gallery is on Seymour Street and the Access Gallery is on East Georgia Street. And you actually get to walk between them as part of the whole experience. And uh, if you actually want a curated tour, so if you like a tour from Adriana, which you do, she, she really breathes life into these artists, I think. You can just email Debbie at satellitegallery.ca and she will set that up. Apparently it was so in demand um, that they had to start booking new tours because Anna, one of our correspondents, went on the tour and did the interview, and apparently it was so popular that they have started to do it by request. So email debbie at satellitegallery.ca for a tour, and we will talk about that more next week. So guys, you have one more, you know, a couple minutes for us of the funny to uh after the biopolitical <laughs> violence mentioned there so you know maybe play off that i don't know don't do that do not play <laughs> we'll off try that to keep it lighter than okay. that okay and then uh up next uh after that we'll we'll thank everyone and then we'll have real to real so why don't you guys um go in three two one dad uh son dad son what are you doing up I put you to bed 30 minutes ago. Dad, I had a nightmare. Oh, Tommy. You know nightmares aren't real. I watched a scary movie. Well, why'd you watch a scary movie before bed, Tommy? You know better than that. I wanted to be scared, but now I'm too scared, Dad. Dad. Tommy, now what do I tell you about the relative... Uh, Go on. Mm-hmm. The relative... Uh, what's that word when there's like a span? The relative span of fear. Uh, From zero to ten, where do we want to be, Tommy, when we want to be scared? Like a, like a four. We want to be a four, maybe a five if it's that kind of night. All right, we don't want to get ourselves into seven, eight, nine territory because then we're just going to get too scared and then we're we're not going to be able to fall asleep. Dad, I'm in a solid like eight or eight and a half right now. Now, Tommy, whose fault is that? Well, I would probably the filmmakers, but also I'm culpable. <laughs> You're right, Tommy, you are culpable. 
I'm glad you're using the word of the day toilet paper and you're really putting it to good use. Yeah, it's a very visceral experience. That was last week. Um, well, Tommy, you know what? When we get in these eight, nine, ten scenarios, you know what I always tell you, what you have to do to get yourself back down to a four or five. You have to hum a little tune. You just hum yourself a little tune. Uh, Want to hum a tune together? Yeah, we, uh, yeah. Does that work on Mike? <laughs> yeah, let's say it does. Let's say it does. Let's hum our favorite tune, the one that always helps us. And we're too scared. I feel so much better. You see, Tommy? Thank Daddy. Dad? Yeah, Tom. Dad? Yeah, Tom. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, Tommy. Now go to bed. That was weird. I'm clapping clapping on behalf of the audience at home. Um, I really liked where that humming went. I actually, that was very jazzy. So maybe record that, bring it back to us. Um, We're going to thank everyone. I want to thank everyone uh, for bearing with me today. And uh, I'll be back again next week and we'll talk a little bit about Broken Borders. We have some more announcements about uh, what's coming up this month. There's always fun stuff happening in the arts community. Uh, we have Forest One is happening at the MOA. I'm going to be talking a few more books. We're going to do a review of Macbeth and of The Life Game and a bunch more. So come back here, CITR 101.9 for the Arts Report. You can stream us at www.citr.ca. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. You know we do. Real to Real is next. And I just wanted to thank uh, UBC Improv, Michael and Andrew, Siobhan, uh, Siobhan McCarthy, uh, Nick and uh, Anton Lipovetsky and Anna for coming next week because I wasn't didn't have time for her this week. And also my dad who called another time, <laughs> which was very amusing to the UBC people. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Okay, we have Real to Real coming up next. Uh, this is CITR 101.9. Peace. Robert Waldman reporting. Lots of brand new movies to talk about today. Going to begin by looking at a thriller. This is apparently a $250 million movie and $100 million to marketing, but for somehow it really hasn't connected yet, which I find rather unusual and unsettling, even though the foreign box office figures have proved to be popular. John Carter is the movie. I call him Warrior Hero. Imagination reaches new heights with John Carter, a soaring bit of entertainment fun from Disney Pictures, now captivating audiences at Empire Studio 12, Colossus, as well as Cineplex Odeon Theatres around B.C. As a matter of fact, this movie is in 3D and it's also in 2D, so if you're cost-conscious and want to save a few dollars, you might try the 2D effects, even though I thought the 3D was pretty good. Part history, part science fiction, and part wholesale fun, this 132-minute epic is soaring fun, bound to thrill you. Now, to be honest, it's a bit of confusion at times, and it might be a touch long, but still, it's a rousing adventure if you like imagination. 
which obviously is in rather short supply in Hollywood these days. Unlike the lackluster Jonah Hex comic book adaptation that came out a few years back from Warner Brothers, John Carter also embodies a Wild West spirit as our story unfolds back in the 17th century. Somehow, New York City and the frontiers of Virginia provide fertile ground for a mystery man called John Carter. Kelowna, British Columbia native Taylor Kitt 